First of all, I would like to thank the Lord for um, giving me the opportunity to be able to be a part of this work, at least this week. <laughs> thank you for um, uh, accommodating me, for, for being so nice and generous. Thank you. It's been a blessing. Um, my prayer to God was to be a blessing to you, but um, you know what God did is you made our you made uh he made you a blessing to me and um uh, this morning i'm overflowing with um, with joy because of his goodness but of course um i thank god because this is my second time to be here i was here back in 2019 before uh, the pandemic strike um and um I miss a very good friend, you know, who used to sit right there, holds a camera and a, a guitar during singing. And, um, you know, um, uh, he's a blessing to all of us. Amen. And I, th I thank God for his life and, of course, for his lovely wife. This morning, I would like you to open your Bible in the book of um, Philippians chapter 1. And verse 29. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. Obviously, this is my favorite verse. Okay, since um, some people are standing up, let's all stand up and read this verse in unison. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Ready, begin. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Merciful and gracious God, thank you for this time that you have given to each and every one of us. Thank you for giving us good health and strength and wisdom to be able to be here and fellowship um, with the uh, the brethren, and most especially to be in your presence. We ask that you bless this time as we study, as we study your word. Guide us and lead us and um, use your word to remind us of, um, our, of what we're doing in our daily lives. Use your word to rebuke us if needed. You, use your word to... to Mature us in our Christian life. Thank you, dear Father. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. If you are a true born-again believer... This verse tells us that you have been given two things, two gifts. And these two are inseparably bound together. It means if you receive the first gift, you will also receive the second. If you have the second gift, it means you have the first. You cannot have the one without the other. Okay? So two gifts. First, the gift of believing, the gift of faith. It means the gift to believe in Jesus. This is 
the faith that um, the Bible tells us that saves, the saving faith, the sustaining faith, the enduring faith, it must be given to you by God. If He gives you saving faith, He also gives you the second gift, the gift of suffering. If you will read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you will find out that true believers, they, they are sustained during their sufferings. They are enduring during their sufferings. They don't give up. They don't turn, they don't turn their backs from sufferings. They either come victorious or they either offer their life through suffering. So number one, the gift of believing. Our text tells us, for unto us it is given not only to believe, or it says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him. So it is clear as Paul has um, narrated, he, narrated it here in this verse that the gift of faith is given to you. Okay? It is specific to the believers. It is given to you and in the behalf of Christ. It means without Christ, there is no way that we can receive this gift. We receive this gift only because of the person and work of Christ on the cross. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, it tells us, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. You see that? To all the saints in Christ. So Paul is addressing all of these messages to all the saints in Christ. And in verse 6, it tells us, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. Amen? In you. It didn't say in the world. No. Specifically to the believers. He has begun a good work in you. And in verse 12, it tells us, But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. See? But I would that ye should understand, brethren. See? It tells us to the saints which are in Christ, to uh, you to whom he has begun a good work, and to the brethren. So specifically, he is addressing this to the believers, to you. It means this is true to the life of a believing Christian. And this is not true to the world. It means God sees this in the life of a true born-again Christian. And He expects to see this in our lives. He does not expect to see this from the world. He expects this from us. It is exclusive for those who are found in repentance and faith in Christ. It has been given 
as a gift. It means we did not work for it, nor did it come from within you, nor did it come from someone, nor did someone cause it to come to you. No, it is bestowed upon you by God as his gift to you. It is God's, uh, he, he volunteered to give it to you. He, he willingly gave it to you. He pleasurably gave it to you. He was happy and joyful when he gave it to you. He was not like reluctant or, you know, forced to give it to you. No, he was happy to give it to you. By God's initiative. And you did not ask for it. But because of his mercy and grace, he gave it to you. The God, the giver, God, the source of everything, he gave it to you. It has been given to you by the Father to believe. Besides, everything that we have has been given to us. There is nothing that we have and there is nothing that we see around us that is not given to us. Everything is literally given to us by God. There's nothing that we can say, no, this is mine. I, I work for this. The, um, this is from me. No. Everything is given to us by God. John chapter 3 and verse 27. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven. And that's why it is the same with the gift of faith, with the gift of believing that it was given to us by God. Because by our own self, there is no way that we can produce this faith. As sinners left to our own selves, we don't have the ability to produce this faith. But we possess it because it was given to us by the Father. And to be able for the Father to give this to us, He sent His Son. He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. That's why John chapter 6 and verse 29 tells us that Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. Underline that on your Bibles. It tells us that this is the work of God. What is it? That you believe on Him. That's why you are found believing in Christ. Because God worked in your heart. You see? And so, this is very important because... By this, we could see and recognize God's sovereignty in our salvation. It means no one on his own, no one on his own ability and power as a sinner can produce this faith. Unless it is given by God, the gift of faith. Whenever the gift of faith, whenever it comes to someone... Whenever it comes to a person, that is a miracle. When you were found believing in the Lord, that is a miracle. 
the greatest miracle ever. That's why the Bible tells us that um, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And whenever there is one sinner who believes, the Bible tells us that the angels in heaven, they rejoice. Because it's the greatest miracle. You won't read in the Bible that when Jesus healed the blind, when Jesus healed the, the dumb, when Jesus healed the lame, that angels in heaven rejoice. Nothing. But the Bible tells us when someone is found believing, the angels in heaven are celebrating. Why? Because it's the greatest miracle ever. Why? Because how could such sinners like you and me find mercy and grace in the sight of God when the angels who fell did not find that? It was not available to them. The angels that fell, they are on their way, on their way to hell. And that's it. Unlike you and me. We were given the gift of faith to repent and, be, and believe. You see? Acts chapter 3 and verse 16. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong. So this, this faith, this gift of faith is through or is in his name. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. You see? This salvation by grace through faith, that process, that miraculous process, salvation by grace through faith, it's not of yourselves. It did not come from you. What does it say? It is a gift of God. It is the gift of God. You know, it's sad that there are some um, teachers of the Bible who would teach this verse this way. For by grace are ye saved, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God through your faith. There are some teachers who would teach it like that. But it is clear the way we see it and the way we read it, that the process of salvation by grace through faith, it's not from you. It's not from me. It is given to us by God as a gift. As a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. Saving faith does not originate from ourselves. God creates it from within us. He gives it to us as a gift. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. A very familiar verse. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher or perfecter of our faith so he authored this faith amen he authored it in our lives he gave it to us he produced it to us jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith jesus is the one who created this faith 
that is in himself, in himself and he created this uh, from within us. Meaning, listen to this, it's a faith that will not stop believing. Why? Because it's from God. It's from God. And if this faith stops, then God failed, right? But God is God. He's almighty and sovereign, and He does not fail. He does not fail. He cannot fail. He will not fail. And so when He, when he authored this faith in our hearts, it will stay there, and we, it will keep on. It, it will keep on. He, he, he promised that He will perfect it. In his time, it will not stop believing. Why? Because a true believer will never become an unbeliever. Right? Once you are a believer, you are a believer. You won't become an unbeliever anymore. What God has authored, he promised that he will bring it to perfection when he comes. First, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith. What does that mean? It tells us that we have received an equally precious faith. The faith that you have received is the faith that I have received. The faith that the apostles has received is the, pay, is the faith that we received. Nobody is more saved than the other. Nobody is lesser saved than the other. We are all equally saved in the sight of God. We are all equally the children of God because we receive the same faith, the same precious faith. It's beautiful, isn't it? So why do you have faith today? Because it is given to you. Amen? Because it was given to you as a gift by God. Number two, the gift of suffering. Number one is the gift of believing. Number two, the gift of suffering. And we only have two points. Amen? <laughs> it doesn't have to be long. Amen? The most important thing is we get the message. Number two, the gift of suffering. Believing in Christ always leads to, according to our text, uh, Philippians 1.29, believing in Christ always leads to, but also to suffer for his sake. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but also. You see, that's why I mentioned a while ago that these two, they come together. They are inseparable. Once you have the first, you will have the second. You see? Suffering. It means to feel pain in different ways, in different degrees and different measures. It means to go through tribulations because of believing in Christ. And as I mentioned, some, because of believing, it cost their lives to stand for God. Acts chapter 14 and verse 22. Confirming the souls 
of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Are you patient in tribulation? Or you're found complaining? Or you're found always whining? Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter one and verse four. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So if you are patient in tribulation, then you will, found, you will find the comfort of God. And eventually, you will use that to comfort other brethren. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 4. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Do you enjoy suffering so far for Christ? You see, this is the right character and the right attitude that we should possess while suffering for the Lord. You don't tell God, hey, Lord, I thought that when I become faithful, I won't go through, this, through all this mess. Why, Lord? My question is, do you have a right to ask that? If God is pleased to see you suffer, then you will suffer. Did you hear that? If God is pleased to see you grow, uh, to see you go through such pain and trouble, then you will go through that. But it doesn't mean that he will let you go alone. He will sustain you with the gift of faith that he has given you, the twin brother of suffering. The faith that you have received is a saving faith, sustaining faith, and enduring faith. You see? I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. My, imagine how Paul could say, these things. You see? After all the countless sufferings and troubles that he went through. Sufferings after sufferings that almost cost his life. And still he could say, I am exceeding joyful. You don't have to be exceeding joyful. <laughs> Just joyful is enough. Just stop complaining. You don't have to get to that level exceeding joyful. Just be joyful in your suffering for Christ. And that's enough. It means we don't stop praising and thanking and serving and worshiping God when troubles are present. We keep on. We keep on. You see, 
In our text, oh, I still have two verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Ye and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. This is a promise. Look, read slowly. You know, there are people who read the Bible so fast. I know some, I know one, one, uh, one person who reads the Bible four times in a year. But uh, it's good to read the Bible, okay? But if you're just reading it for the sake of, you know, accomplishing reading the whole book without understanding the content, it's useless. I'd rather read the Bible slowly and understand it. Look, this is a promise that all who live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Ask yourself, am I being persecuted? <laughs> See? Is God's word true? Yes, it is. The ultimate truth. And that's what it says. Amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed there unto. See? Your destiny is on that road. If you are walking in Christ's righteousness, if you are walking in Christ's holiness, that is the road to go through. Because you are appointed there unto. But you know what? It may be hard and painful at first. But if you just keep on, you'll get used to it. And you will start enjoying like Paul. You'll be blessing God because of these things. Suffering for his sake. It's good to suffer for Christ. What is not good is to suffer because of our own foolishness. That's the bad stuff, you know. You know, Paul at this time he is in prison when he wrote Philippians. But he talks about joy in serving the Lord. You see, when you want to become faithful in serving the Lord, there is always a price to pay. If you don't receive resistance because of your faith, it should be a cause of concern. So, these are not, these tribulations, these sufferings, these are not sufferings that the world are going through. Uh, the sufferings that we see in the world, like um, um, war, poverty, um, uh, the mess in politics, and so on. That's not, that's not the suffering that the Bible is telling us. The suffering that the Bible is telling us is for the sake of Christ. The world, 
suffers because of sin. While the, the believers, they suffer because of their obedience to Christ. And this kind of sufferings, they have a sanctifying effect in our lives. Just like what we saw. Just like what we read in the verses that we have read. God uses these sufferings to sanctify us. To make us holy and more holy. That we may be able to come closer and closer and closer to God. That our relationship with Him would become more intimate. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Why? Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially to those that believe. The exper these experiences sanctifies and purifies our hearts, our standing in God, our relationship with God. So we need to welcome them. Whenever problems and troubles comes, we need to say, Lord, here it is again. Help me to go through it. I want to please you as I go through this suffering. Let's not be like when it comes, oh, here it comes again. No. Our hearts must be grateful. Why? Because it's from God. It's given to you to believe and also to suffer. Think about this. What kind of Christianity do we have? An easy come, easy go Christianity? Let me read to you um, familiar things that we always see. How the apostles died. Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia, killed by a sword wound. Mark died in Alexandria, which is Egypt, after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke was hanged in Greece as a result of his tremendous preaching, preaching to the lost. John faced martyrdom when he was boiled in huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously delivered from death. John was then sentenced to the mines on the prison island of Patmos. He wrote his prophetic book of Revelation on Patmos. The apostle John was later freed and returned to serve as bishop of Edessa in modern Turkey. He died as an old man, the only apostle to die peacefully. Peter was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross. According to church tradition, it was because he told his tormentors that he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus Christ had died. James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was thrown over a hundred feet down from the south, uh, southeast 
pinnacle of the temple when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. When they discovered that he survived the fall, his enemies beat James to death. This James, the son of Zebedee, was a fisherman by trade when Jesus called him to be a lifetime of uh, to a lifetime of ministry a strong as a strong leader of the church James was beheaded at Jerusalem the roman officer who guarded James watched amazed as James defended his faith at his trial later that officer walked beside James to the place of execution overcome by conviction he declared his new faith to the judge and knelt beside James to accept beheading as a Christian. Bartholomew, known as Nathaniel, he was a missionary to Asia. He witnessed for our Lord in present-day Turkey. Bartholomew was, martyr, was martyred for his preaching in Armenia where he was flayed to death by a whip. Andrew he was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Patras, Greece. After being whipped severely by seven soldiers, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was led toward the cross, Andrew saluted it in these words, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. What words? I have long desired and expected this happy hour. He continued to preach to his tormentor for two days until he expired. Thomas, he was stabbed with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips to establish the church in the subcontinent, Jude, he was killed with arrows when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. Matthias, the apostle chosen to replace the traitor, he was stoned and then beheaded. Paul, he was tortured and then beheaded by the evil emperor Nero at Rome in AD 67. Paul endured a lengthy imprisonment which allowed him to write his many epistles to the churches he had formed throughout the Roman Empire. These letters, which taught many of the foundational doctrines of, of Christianity, form a large portion of the New Testament. Perhaps this is a reminded or a reminder to us that our sufferings here are indeed minor. To compare to the intense persecution, and cold cruelty faced by the apostles and disciples during their times for the sake of faith. Jesus said, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Why do we feel sleepy in prayer, but stay awake through a three-hour movie? Why are we so bored when we look at the holy book, but find it easy to read other books? 
Why is it so easy to ignore a message about God, yet we enjoy and promote the nasty ones? Why are prayer meetings smaller, but bars and clubs are expanding? Why is it so easy to worship a celebrity, but very difficult to engage with God consistently? Have you really, have you really received the gift of faith? Have you really received the gift of suffering? For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. 